Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. As I'm sure you've heard by now, the NFL owners are meeting in New York City this week. And there was always going to be some high drama after ESPN dropped that bombshell report about Dan Snyder's secret dossiers. You know, dossiers that could, quote, blow up. And to quote, several owners and even the commissioner himself, Roger Goodell. Then there was also this quote. The NFL is a mafia. Snyder recently told an associate, all the owners hate each other. It went on, quote, that's not true. One veteran owner says, all the owners hate Dan. End of quote. So we knew that going in. So that made it more interesting going in. After yesterday, we know that it is true. Well, it's true of at least one owner. Because Jim Ursay came out and said, what so many have been waiting so long for somebody to say, what everybody's been waiting to hear, Ursay finally came out in broad daylight and just said it. You know, I believe that there's merit to remove him as owner of the Redskins. Um, I think it's something that... Uh, we have to review, we have to look at all the evidence, and we have to be thorough in going forward. But, um, you know, I think it's something that has to be given serious consideration to. My man. I mean, credit for coming out and saying publicly what nobody else will say. But it would have been a little more credible had you not red-skinned him. Anyway... Next time he chucks a fellow under, uh, owner under the bus, maybe he gets the name of the franchise correct. But the point is, that is a big step. Even if he was just saying what the others are thinking, he was the one who said it out loud, even if he got the team name wrong. Here was his explanation for why he came forward and said it out loud. I just think what's happened in the workplace you know, having three daughters, seven granddaughters, that's just not, you know, again, we have to look at the investigation and see the finality of certain things that have happened because there's been a lot of different things that have happened. But you can't shy away from the fact of it's an unfortunate situation, but I believe it's in the best interest of the National Football League um, that we look at squarely in the eye and, and deal with it. I think... Um, you know, America, the world expects us to as, as leaders. I mean, I give this guy credit. He said it. None of them are saying it. The rest of them are saying no comment. We were told not to comment. We're going to wait for the results of that report. This guy's saying it. He's saying what, I don't know, I don't want to say everybody is thinking, but others have to be thinking. And I want to give him credit for that. However, I am a little disappointed. What would have been great is if he had gone all the way and just winced him. Just Carson winced him. You know, like when Ursay gets that way about Wentz, stands outside his jet, turns his phone around, and then calls him the biggest mistake the league has ever made. You know, I keep a private jet. You know, I keep a private jet for moments like this where I want to light guys up. Where I get off my private jet... That I keeps. You know, I, keeps a I stand next to it on the tarmac. I turn my phone around and I light somebody on fire. Usually Carson Wentz. But this time, the Dan. 
You know, instead, we got his take that the league could potentially, quote, potentially have the votes to oust Snyder, which would mean 24 votes out of the 32 owners. Hard to know at this point if that's true. Hard to know at this point what that straw poll would be. And no vote's going to go down until Mary Jo White finishes up the investigation on behalf of the league. We know that, too. And also, I think we know that a lot of this is going to hinge on not how Ursay feels. And again, I give him credit for that. But a lot of this will hinge not on how he feels, but rather on how Jera feels. Jera. Everything kind of revolves around and runs through Jera. And he basically has distanced himself as far as he possibly can from Ursay's comments yesterday. Jera, quote, we've all agreed we wouldn't comment. We just wouldn't comment any comment at all. I have no knowledge of anything that has got any basis to it, period. Period. Oh, man, that is rich as hell. Imagine Jarrah saying, we've all agreed not to comment. My man, there's not a microphone or a camera that you don't want to be in front of. Oh, but you're not going to comment. What do you mean? Oh, okay, Jarrah. Given what we know, and surely given what Jarrah knows that we don't know, there's no way in hell he's going to pick his little buddy, the Dan, up this time. So, Ursay saying out loud what you know others are thinking is not a small thing. In fact, it's a pretty damn big thing. Even if you want to point to his past, even if you want to say, who is Ursay to protect the shield when he himself has done damage to the shield? Fair enough. However, however, he hasn't done the damage potentially that the Dan has, apparently. But Ursay saying it is not the same thing as Jera saying it. Now, Jera was not coming for the Dan yesterday. He was coming for somebody else. More on that in a minute. Like, we don't know how many others are ready to run the Dan out of the NFL on a rail, just like we don't know how much dirt Dossier Dan has on the other owners. But we do know Dossier Dan. We know this is not a good dude. We know he's digging the hell in, and he's not just going to roll over and have somebody scratch my check and have him go away. Not without a big fight. If Dan is going to get run out of the NFL and they're going to snatch his franchise from him, he is taking bodies with him. However, Ursay lighting him up the way he did may be the beginning of the end for Snyder. Ursay is saying it, and of course, Al Michaels is saying it. Just my feeling, I think what the league would love is for Snyder to sell the team. Not have to go to a vote, but just sell the team because it's become a major problem around the league, obviously. And we'll see what happens. I think it's got a long way to go, and Dan very well known for digging his heels into the ground. So there you go. Given how crappy the product was on the field Monday night, it was great to see the drama from the owners off the field yesterday. Believe me, Ursay v. Snyder was way better than Broncos v. Chargers. And best of all, that was not the only owner beef yesterday in New York City. Because according to reports, Kraft v. Jera happened behind closed doors. Jarrah did not want to engage on the Snyder situation, but he did want to continue his campaign against Roger Goodell's paycheck, reportedly. The owners were voting on approving negotiations for the commissioner's next package, his next contract, and then according to ESPN, this happened. Quote, Sources said Kraft joined the overwhelming majority in strong support for the measure with Jones, the lone dissenter in the owners-only session, eventually telling Kraft, quote, don't F 
with me. Kraft replied, excuse me? Don't mess with me, Jones said. What? Then the measure passed. End of quote. End of passage. Man, look at these rich as hell, old as hell, powerful as hell geezers looking to see if their hands still function, looking to see if they can still let their hands go. Apparently, Jera thinks that Raja pulling in 128 mil over the last two years is a bit much. I mean, fair question, right? It's a hell of a lot of dough. Jera wants to make sure the commish is earning all that dough. It seems reasonable, but it also seems like he is the only one concerned about it. In fact, I know it because that was the lone dissenting vote. Not sure why Jera didn't go around the room with 30 individual don't F with me's and reserved it for Kraft. But it seems pretty clear Jera has got a bone with Raja and with Baba. And nobody else on is on his side with this one. So unlike Dossier Dan, it definitely does not look like Raja is going anywhere anytime soon. Anyway, so much for Baba's good wedding vibes. You know, Kraft probably floated in New York City, floated into these meetings, still flying off the rocket man high. Oh, and John was there. Ed Sheeran was there. Probably still hyped that he got the greatest wedding gift ever. The other half of Bacon 45's face. (laughs) Bacon 45 was there. And then Jerry had to get all red-assed and ruin the vibe. And tell him, don't F with me. You gotta love the owners putting on a better show than about 90% of the primetime games so far this year. They ought to just air Jera and Baba going at it tomorrow night instead of Cardinals Saints. Like the NFL might not be a mafia like Dan Snyder reportedly, allegedly claimed, but it does kind of seem like he was right about the quote, all the other owners hate each other part. So I've got a quick question for you. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day long? Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48-hour sweat and odor protection. I said it. 48 hours. It's incredible. And on top of that, Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and it's clean on your skin and it's quick and it's easy to use, especially when you are on the go. And Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. You know you got to have that. You have to moisturize. It leaves your skin feeling comfortable and it helps to protect your skin as well. Truly, take advantage of that. You've got to moisturize. Try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry, clean feel, all day. I don't know. You wonder about Jera. Jera's a hard ass, right? How do you think he got that rich? How do you think he got that rich? By being a hard ass. And he wants Roger to earn his money. I see him working, sort of. Like, you don't become a billionaire without hitting goals. He wants to make sure that Roger does not get fat Fat. and lazy and that he hits those goals, whatever those goals are. As for him telling Kraft, don't F with me, I wish I had a clear answer. 
I know a lot of you come here for my definitive take on everything, and you don't want me sitting on the fence. I get that. I understand. All right, so let me take a shot. I don't know. I was not there. I don't have a source. But I got a theory. I think that Jarrah, well, I know Jarrah is bent. Why is he bent? I think it's because he went to that same Macy's craft wedding registry. Knew exactly what he wanted to get. And saw the one. Half of Brady's face was already taken off the list. Saw that needs column read zero. Now Jarrah's plan wasn't to have it to deliver to the crafts, but to have delivered to his own residence and keep it for himself. That way, Jarrah would have rocked that face, his new face, during the postgame after the Detroit game. Imagine that. What's left of his old face and the other half of Brady's face turned into one face. He would have been like, man, I look amazing. I look 40 years younger. But it wasn't meant to be. That's what I think. That's why I think he's pissed. He went to the registry looking for that half face. Back to Snyder. You know how I know that Dan does have the dirt? You know how I know? Allegedly. Because he sent a formal letter denying that he has the dirt. You do not compile a file like that and just admit its existence. I mean, what? Can you see Roger going to Snyder on the yacht? Commissioner's like, so... Are you sure you don't have a dossier full of secrets on the other owners, Mr. Snyder? Because that would be messed up if you did. Dan, quote, nope, 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 nothing here. Commissioner, but Mr. Snyder, with all due respect, what is that gigantic folder on your desk that reads dirt on the owners? Dan, oh, 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 that. Yeah, that's a screenplay I've been working on. Real passion piece. Been trying to shop that around Hollywood. I don't know. I like to think that Jera went into Shake Craft's hand to congratulate him on the wedding. Bob thought it was going to be sincere and real. Jera moves in for the shake, squeezes his hand tighter, tighter, as hard as he can. He brings, he just jerks Kraft in close, stares at him with his glaucoma-filled pupils and says, don't F with me. Don't F with me, Baba. You know who the hell I am? Jera. Don't F with me. It is time to knock that new business idea out of the park with Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it is time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you will customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that create diehard fans. And Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow. And Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow a winning business from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is on your team every step of the way. It's how every minute... 
New sellers around the world score their first sale with Shopify, and you can too. When you're ready to take your winning idea to the world, team up with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Try out Shopify for free today and start selling anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash Rome, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-O-M-E, all lowercase, and start selling online today. Shopify.com slash Rome. Drake May joining us, coming off an enormous win. I would imagine is a redshirt freshman, although he had some action last year. This is going to be a year of firsts. That was your first rivalry game at Duke in their place, hostile environment. You know, North Carolina v. Duke, that's a big-time thing. What was it like to be in the middle of that, and how would you describe that vibe overall? Oh, it was, it was unbelievable. You know, credit to Duke. They brought, you know, the crowd. They had the light show going. Uh, they were pumping in music, uh, giving some problems, you know, with hearing. Um, but, you know, came out with the victory. Um, you know, our defense made a huge stop. Uh, gave us a chance to get the ball back in two minutes. And, uh, you know, what can you ask for besides a game-winning drive against your rivalry um, to take home uh, what we called the victory bell was what we played for against Duke. Um, that seven-mile, you know, they're right down the road. And uh, the first rivalry game for me, it was just uh, awesome to you know, come with a the, with the win at third place. And this just goes to show um, we got something special here building Chapel Hill and uh, just looking forward to the rest of the season getting back after it. Drake May joining us. You mentioned that game-winning drive. Let me ask you about that. You led the team on that 74-yard game-winning drive in the final moments. What were you thinking, like your mindset, when you started that drive, and what were you telling your guys in the huddle? Oh, you know, the number one thing I'm saying is we're going to win this game. I think, you know, being on the road last year, uh, we struggled on the road. I don't think we won one game. Um, so just trying to flip that narrative and uh, – just, just telling my guys we're going we're gonna to come out with the win and, um, on the road against you know a rivalry game. Uh, just kind of you know I felt like the script was wrote, was wrote already. Just uh, finish the game out and uh, put them away and uh, just finish going home and get back on the bus and uh, just, just just be happy with the win. I was just we had a couple big fourth down. We had a fourth down where I found Josh um, on a scramble play. Uh, just trusting my guys up front. Um, they were dropping eight and just uh, just trying to make plays and, and finish finish off drive the touchdown and we did that and uh, that last play you can show is the game of inches you know Antoine Green um, was about as close as you can get on the sideline that last that last touchdown play um, so just just credit to our guys for you know trusting each other and. Uh, it's just a huge win for us. You know, I was going to ask you about Antoine. You found him, and he was able to stay in bounds in the corner. What were you looking for on that play? I mean, was that the guy that you were looking for? And tell me about that play. What did you see? Yes, sir. Yeah, we, we were three by one. So we were trips to the left um, with our back actually going to the left, too. So it was really, we call it four strong. Um, I was really supposed to look left, but we, our protection up front, we were, we were only five up front. And uh, they had a, a guy come off the edge free to the right. Um, so I was just trying to. Look left, so I try to make it feel like uh, that 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 end didn't think I saw him, and just just scurried the pocket to the right. Um, and AG was kind of in a tussle with him in the back of the end zone, ended up throwing him by and coming back to the football. And it's something we repping every day in in practice. We did him with a one minute drill and uh, just making a play on the sideline. And I think we had a, a similar play earlier in uh, the first half, that same kind of toe tap situation on the sideline, just finishing out and uh, making a huge play. Talking to Drake May, Carolina quarterback. Listen, I know it's not. I know it's not, but you're making it look relatively easy. I'm curious, what has the transition to the college game been like for you, and did you expect to have this kind of success this quickly? Oh, yeah. You know, I credit to, you know, to my teammates. Um, this, this type of offense, Coach Longo, you know, he preaches, you know, get open guys in space, get fast playmakers, and that's what we got. You know, up front, they're doing a, they're doing a great job um, giving me time and 
my job is just to disperse the ball to those guys and then let them make plays. I'm um, just kind of sitting last year um, behind Sam, uh, who's a heck of a player, just kind of being in his back pocket, um, seeing how he did things. Um, really, it's both well for me, just kind of you know learning from him and taking away, soaking it up all in last year. And uh, just feel like that's really uh, gone a long way for me this year and, and just proven to our success um, that we can to keep things going. And I also feel like we haven't even played our best ball yet. There's a lot of you know decisions I could do better and uh, miss some throws, some easy throws that could be touchdowns. So just trying to uh, keep getting better and uh, get back after Pitt next weekend as we got a big one at home. Hey, Drake, it seems to me like I'm on the outside looking in, but you talked about sitting behind Sam, Sam Howell. You've actually been in it your entire life. When you look at your family, and sports fans know this, but for those who don't, you grew up in an, an amazingly athletic family. Your older brother, Luke, won a national title in basketball in Carolina. Your other brother, Cole, ripped a natty playing baseball for Florida. Your father, of course, played quarterback for the Tar Heels in the 80s. You've always been around it. How competitive was that household, and what was it like to grow up in a family that athletic? Oh, yeah, it was ultra-competitive. You know, how, being the youngest, you know, four boys, um, I got three older brothers uh, just growing up in that atmosphere, always playing two-on-two. And, uh, you know, we really took everything, you know, whether it was, you know, ping-pong or, or backyard football, it was, it was a competition. Whoever whoever, whoever lose, you know, would, would go home crying or, you know, we didn't get to – had to eat hot dog instead of steak at dinner. So uh, just everything was a competition. And uh, just growing up in that atmosphere really just – you know, growing up and, and seeing, um, you know, my brothers see their successes, uh, just really just kind of um, been the motive behind, you know, my play. And uh, they've always been supportive, and they're, they're three of my best friends. And uh, just really just has been a blessing um, with my dad, you know, being playing the sport, playing the position. Um, it's, it's been awesome. And just trying to, you know, soak it all in and uh, knowing that I got, you know, a family that's really supportive and, and been through a lot. Wait a minute, man. I wish I had thought of that. Tell me how that works. Like like four kids, three steaks, one hot dog, two steaks, two hot dogs. Man, I should have done that with my kids. How did that work? Yeah, yeah. So so we played two-on-two basketball or football, and uh, usually, you know, whoever whoever come out on top, you know, they get they, they get the, the nice dinner, and uh, the other two, you know, they probably have, like, grilled cheese or something, something like that, something that has, has, has found. So, uh, you know, it's a competitive household, and, uh, you know, winning is something serious. And, uh they always say, you know, second's first loser. So uh, that's just kind of growing up. That's how it works. Second is first loser. We're joined by Drake May for a couple of more moments. I got to say, Mac Brown is one of my all-time favorite people. And I don't mean just in college football. I mean, and not even just in sports. I mean, he is one of my all-time favorite people. What's he like to play for? Oh, it's unbelievable. You know, it's, it's a player's dream to play, play for a coach like, like Coach Brown. Um, it's really, you know, one of the main reasons why I ended up coming here. Uh, just, just seeing him coming back and uh, he got, had the whole state you know, ready, you know, for his, for his appearance. And uh, I think, you know, he's, he's recruiting, recruiting unbelievable. And uh, I think the best thing about what we've got here is you know, the players, not only are, you know, good football players, they're great people. Um, we've got a great coaching staff. And uh, Coach Brown's really, you know, this, the, the ultimate, you know, players coach. And uh, he's just always taking care of us. And, uh, you know, whenever, you know, our, our playing days are done, uh, he'll be there for us. And, uh he just, you know, at the end of the day, um, he's always going to, you know, take our side. And as you, you can see in some of the games, he's going to get on the refs, and he's always going to, you know, support us. And I think it's just, you know, it's awesome. It's unbelievable. I, and uh, it's just a great opportunity to play for Coach Brown. I, I think it's tremendous. You know that he loves you. He cares about you. 
And I also love that he's been in this thing, Drake, as long as he has. He's evolved. He's changed. He's not like that old school guy who only knows one way, who's like just so dogmatic, like, I'm not changing my way or the highway. Like, he's paying attention. He's evolving. Let me finally ask you this. You mentioned that it is the bye week. You're talking about Pitt. I like that. I like that mindset. So how do you personally approach that bye week, and how do you make sure that you and all your teammates are locked in, doing the right things, and thinking the right things to get ready for that game on the 29th? Yes, sir. Yeah, we got we got three practices this week. Um, just just trying to get back after it. You know, we're we're looking a little bit at Pitt. Um, got some some stuff going in for them, and then they get they got a, a Louisville this weekend. So we'll, we'll watch that game and uh, really just just trying to tune up the little things. Because um, you know, Coach Brown was preaching um, in, the, in the meeting yesterday. You know, the little things turn in, into big things. So uh, just fixing up you know footwork for me and uh, just you know like 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 defensive uh, defensive game plan stuff. You know, they got a tough. Um, Tough track against, you know, Pittsburgh. They, they're running back's a good player. So uh, just trying to find ways to, uh, you know, get better in the off week and really just get healthy. You know, the off week uh, gives a chance to get healthy um, and get some guys back. And uh, we're just looking forward to that, that home crowd um, next Saturday night. Um, 8 o'clock against Pitt should be a fun one. Actually, I meant to ask you one last thing. I know it's about the team and getting ready for Pitt. You're putting up huge numbers, though. I'm curious, what's it like to hear your name now in the Heisman Trophy conversation as a redshirt freshman? Uh, I don't know about all that. Yes, sir. Um, I have some talk about it, but, you know, really just um, just focus on, on doing my part for the team. And, uh, you know, my teammates are, are the ones that, uh, that get it, should deserve all the credit. You know, without them, I'm, 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 I'm not a player at all. Um, but, you know, I've always had ultimate confidence myself and uh, feel like, you know, anytime uh, we go out there um, with our explosive offense and, uh, you know, with our defense making big-time plays, we got a chance to beat anybody and uh, we can score some points. So it's been fun. UNC coming off that big win over Duke. They're back in the top 25. They take on Pitt, 8 p.m. Saturday, October 29th. Their quarterback is Drake May. Drake, great to have you on the show. Thanks so much. Good luck. Yes, sir. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. An egg is the most versatile grill you will ever own. You can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. No joke. Try a pizza on the egg. It is incredible. Stop wasting money on grills that you replace every few years. We've all been there and done that. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs too. Listen to me. Roll with an authentic big green egg, a ceramic marvel backed by a lifetime warranty. It is simple to light, easy to use, and it works without a power source. There's no need to plug it in. With the playoffs and holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. It also makes an amazing gift, and they have two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. You heard me. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com and have it sent to your house for free. That's BigGreenEgg.com and you will thank me later. As I've been pointing out, this MLB postseason continues to provide brand new things that we have never seen. They keep happening over and over again. As an example, yesterday. Yesterday was the very first time we've ever had an overlapping round, as in a divisional series and a championship series on the same day. And we did, thanks to that botched postponement in Yankee Stadium on Monday night. You remember the one that sent Mike in White Plains 
over the edge. Another controversy and conspiracy that we never actually solved. Was that real or not? Anyway, we had the ALDS, Game 5 in the Bronx, last night. The same day that we had the NLCS, Game 1, down in San Diego. Unfortunately for everybody, both of those important games were completely upstaged and hijacked by a band of jackasses. I hate this. I hate that this happened. I hate this whole thing. Jackasses. Seriously. The clip that I'm about to play is a straight-up abomination. I hate that I have to play this. And you might say, and believe me, I thought about it. I really thought about ignoring the whole thing. But that's not going to make it go away. It's never going away. That's the whole point. It's a terrible representation of humanity as a whole. Not just a horrible representation of this part of the country. Not just a horrible representation of a town that means so much to me. The incredible city of San Diego. Somehow, this crap made it onto KUSI and their morning news yesterday in that incredible city. Have I mentioned that San Diego is an incredible city? It's America's finest city. Not my opinion. It's on a giant piece of wood when you drive through. There's a sign, and they're not wrong. I'm telling you, I'm hurting badly. I'm emotionally broken. I'm pissed. I'm embarrassed. Frankly, I'm not sure I come back from this. I mean, I'll get over it. I mean, I'll get beyond it, but I don't know if I can get over it. How do you get over hearing this? Really going down to yellow and brown. That's what's in. Padres on the loose. Let's go, goose. That's what's in. Bryce gonna lose, and Manny's gonna cruise. That's what's in. Give Philly no slack and send them back. That's what's in. I mean, holy crap. Make it end. Somebody put me out of my misery. Like, that cannot happen. Alvy, you should have run that. That was the worst 25 seconds ever on this show. I'm in the Radio Hall of Fame. I have decades of goodwill in the bank. And I'm telling you, right there, those were the 25 worst seconds that have ever been broadcast on this show. In fact, the 25 worst seconds I think I've ever heard on any show. That's what's it. That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Where was that? After the first, that's what's in. That's what's in. I mean, again, there's a sign on your way to San Diego and it says America's finest city. That sign is 100% correct, which is why I refuse to believe that that song happened in that city. Not in the place where I got my start. Not in the place where I met my wife. Not in the place where there are some of the best fans and best people in the entire world. Not in the place where the Padres are lit and making an amazing run. 
There is no way that that can happen there. Not in a place where Mike in San Diego. Man, you talk about a dude rolling in his grave right now. You imagine poor Mikey hearing, that's what's in. That's what's in. Those tools do not rep that amazing city. But unfortunately now, that absolute garbage is forever. There is no scrubbing that from the internet. There is no scrubbing that from our mental hard drives, our brains. That that seriously makes slamming horse pie sandos seem like the most dignified, badass thing ever. All those dudes should be banished from that city forever. They should, their family should, anybody associated with them should. They should be run the hell right out of town. Hey, and by the way, what if that was your dad doing that? I got bad news for you, Pops. Your kid will not get into college now. Your kid will not get hired by any company that matters now because they'll know. Hey, wait a minute. They'll look at the resume. Wait a minute. You're the son of the, that's what's in, dude. Yeah, no, you can't attend school here. No, you cannot work here. Hell no. Like, your kids, their kids, by the way, your kids' kids, scarred for life. You imagine the Padre Clubhouse, upon seeing that song go viral yesterday, before that game, could there have ever been a bigger buzzkill? That's what's in. My man, Bob Melvin, great manager, great leader. He must have said, all right, all right, crises, crises. Everybody gather around. There's something we have to address. Hey, what, Skip? We've seen the scouting report. We know Wheeler. No, 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 no. Something much worse than Wheeler. Man, no wonder they came out flat. No wonder they had one hit. It's amazing any of them had the nad and the gumption to even put on their uniform and show their face in public. I'm not at all surprised that Zach Wheeler was dealing and mowing them down, nor that Kyle Schwarber put one on the moon. And it is a breaking ball. Schwarber was ready. How far does this go? Second deck. Kyle Schwarber tees off. Two-nothing Phillies. That last at bat that he had when he got that single, it looked quick, short to the ball. It looked like it unlocked something, and he sat on it and crushed it. 119, 120 miles per hour off of the bat. That's what's in. 488 foot bomb. 120 miles per hour exit velo, the longest home run ever at Petco Park, one of the hardest hit balls anybody has ever seen. So astonishing that Schwarber said after the game, his teammates were looking at him funny when he got back to the dugout. Rough look in a rough game for the pods. But again, I don't blame them. I don't blame you, Darvish. I don't blame Bob Melvin. I can't blame any of those guys. But I can blame those absolute tools who created the most embarrassing song in 25 seconds ever. That's what's in. I mean, what what can I say? How do I push back? How do I fight back? How do I reclaim my dignity? Even Tommy here, who moved to California, is embarrassed. 
and he's got no California in him yet. That's I am embarrassed. Oh, I'm embarrassed as a dude who loves and has a deep connection with the city of San Diego. Some of the finest moments of my entire life have been in that town. I love that town. I love that city. Dodger Jano has often said she wants to end up in that city. That's where we met. We'd love to go full circle, end up and retire down there. That's off. Imagine me having that conversation with Dodger Jano. Wait, wait, wait. I thought we talked about this. I thought all we've done is talk for the last 15 years about how we would retire to San Diego. I thought that was our plan. Oh, it was, Dodger Jano. Until I heard this. That's what's in. Now we will not be retiring to San Diego. And not just downtown. I mean, San Diego County. As a Southern California native, I am embarrassed. No. As a fellow human being, I am embarrassed. I'm not sure I'll be the same ever again. I just hope the pods can somehow... I just hope they're a lot tougher and stronger than I am. And that they can shake this off. No, no, not shake off Zach Wheeler dealing and locking them up and mowing them down. Not shaking off Schwarber turning one around, going upper tank about 9,000 feet. I'm talking about shaking off those tools, dropping that song and that town. Because the fact of the matter is, the entire country is laughing at you now. San Diego, you don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. Please stay LeBron's band is laughing at you. That song cannot happen anywhere in this country. I mean, those idiots sound like the Beatles by comparison. What I'm saying is that song cannot happen anywhere in this country, much less in a town that incredible that means that much to me and everybody else. I'm going to take a break in a few moments, and I'm going to go Vincent Van Gogh and cut my ears off and give them to the highest bidder so I never have to hear that ever again. That's what's in. Wow. Chuck, I I know you want to pack up the car and move back to New York. Not only am I not going to talk you out of that, take me with you. That's not far enough away. I'd have to go live wherever that ball ended up that Schwarber hit. And that still wouldn't be far enough away. Let's go, Goose. You imagine those morons out there thinking they're just killing it, too? Billy going down to yellow and brown. That's what's in. How How would you explain to your kids? What if I showed up one day and I did that? And Jake Rome was having his phone suddenly blow up like, oh, what's going on? And all of Madison is just killing him. You see what your old man did? You see what your old man did? How would I explain that to Jake or Logan or anybody? I I have nothing to do with it and I can't even explain it. All I know is, I see, bottom line is I go to break. I don't know whether or not, and I love the Padres. I love that series. I want that thing to go seven games so badly. I don't know whether or not I want them to get swept to make it go away as quickly as possible, or if I want them to win, to make it go away. It doesn't matter because it's never going away. This is my whole point. Back in the day, 
You know, for old heads like me, back in the day, something like that would show up on the morning news, and that's where we'd live for a couple of super cringy moments, and then the anchors back at the desk would laugh and yuck it all up like it was so funny, and then that would be that. It would die right there. Not now. Not now. Not with the internet. Not with a smartphone. Not with social media. That will live forever. Forever. For a million years, that's what's in will live. You Price cannot scrub that. And man, he's going to cruise. That's what's in. I can't unhear it. Tell me that's not running through your head right now. Like a tattoo on your brain. Man, put me out of my misery. Yeah, we're not moving there, Jano. Bad news. You know, you know what's in, Jano? We're moving to Boise. That's what's or Montana. In. Or Wisconsin. Or anyway, anywhere as far away as possible. Jano's like, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, oh yeah, it's the biggest deal. They ruined it. They wrecked it. We are not going to retire to San Diego. Man, I hate that. One of my most important stations, the Mighty 1090. Incredible station with incredible operations. This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know that you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection, the latest innovation from Discover? Discover will help you remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that can sell your data, and they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app. See terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. Game five of the ALDS finally did get underway yesterday. Remember, it was delayed, then postponed. They finally got it on in the Bronx. Except it's almost like nobody told the Guardians that the game was finally starting because it got sideways really quickly on Cleveland. I mean, quickly. Like, this game was completely off the rails after the first four Yankee batters. That's how fast. As soon as Aaron Savale walked the first batter on four pitches, not a good sign. Plunked the third batter, an even worse sign. And then gave up a laser shot to the cleanup man. A drive to right center field. Back near the wall and gone. So much power in that direction for Giancarlo Stanton. He had 31 during the season. This is his second of this series. And the Yankees jump on Savali in the first and take a 3 nothing lead. TBS. I've seen that. I've lived that. The Logan Rome life. We laugh. Logs always hits somebody. Logs like never has an outing where he does not hit a batter. Good news is he drops down and only runs it out there like 80. It doesn't hurt. But I've seen that before. Hit a batter, walk a batter, boom! 900 feet. Anyway, 3 nothing. four batters in. Then you have yourself a boat race. The Yankees never look back, never in doubt. The bonus day of rest let the Yankees throw all-star Nestor Cortez, who did his job. That's why I bet them. I knew he'd have that extra day. He benefited from that day. Five one-run innings. Well-rested bullpen comes out, does its job, slams that door shut. That was that. Like, I'm not going to kill the Guardians. Good young team, far outplayed or outpaced any expectation whatsoever. But, but, in a game like that, I need you to at least show up. 
That said, even though they got boat raced in game five, let's not act like the greatest home run ever was not hit because it was. Of course, Gleyber Torres rocked the baby when he caught the ball for that final out of second base because they couldn't wait to do that. Of course, the Yankees were still pissed off about Josh Naylor's epic trip around the bases on Sunday. Do you know why they were pissed off? Precisely because it was an epic trip around the bases on Sunday. However, if you run around the bases rocking an imaginary baby and yelling to the Yankee ace, that's my little effing son, you're going to get everybody's attention and you're going to piss everybody off. But then that was the whole point, right? That's exactly why that was the most legendary smack I think I've ever seen run on a diamond. The blatant disrespect. The blatant look-at-me energy. The blatant bravado. The confidence. I mean, that... It, it was amazing because not only did this dude poke the bear, dude effectively ran up on the bear and hit him in the face with a two-by-four. Except if you're going to do that, you better back it up. What you cannot do is come to the park for game five and take an offer, which is exactly what Naylor did. And it applies to the entire Guardians clubhouse as well. You watch your teammate stomp on a beehive, right? You have to know that, all right, this is our guy. We wouldn't be here without this guy. He just did what he did. Now we're all in it. You know, we ride with this guy. But you can't all no-show, right? And what you really can't do is walk the first batter on four pitches, hit the third batter, and then put one on a tee for Giancarlo Stanton. You can't go 0 for 6 also with runners in scoring position in a winner-take-all game. That's actually the opposite of talking bleep and then backing it up. That's more like, and you'll like this, James Kelly, because this is where you live. And V, apparently you'll like this too. That's more like blowing hot air out your ass and then crapping your pants by accident. You like that. You like that, James Kelly. I know you do. Listen, the Guardians, I love them. I love them. Kelly's already in, quote, beautiful. Yeah, I know, Kelly. You imagine if I did everything you wanted me to do, how bad this show would be, James Kelly. The Guardians are a great story. They're so far ahead of schedule and expectation. They're going to be great. They, they did great. Nobody expected them to make it this far. My man Tito, as always, did an amazing job with this team. They were one game away from sending Aaron Boone and the 99-win Yankees to an extremely dark place. But I think they all learned a valuable lesson. If you're going to go there, you have to back it up. If you bleep around, you're going to find out. And unfortunately for the Guardians, Naylor, and everybody involved, they found out. They found out. I sort of liked his reaction. His reaction to 55,000 people lying in wait to taunt him was, that was so sick. That was sick, man. I got the entire stadium to chant that. That was sick. That'd be like your worst nightmare for most athletes to go into the den. 55,000 belligerent New Yorkers wanting to give you the hands. And this dude's like, man, that was sick. It was. And credit for not being afraid, but you took an over, dude. And that game was over four batters in. That was, that was the opposite of sick. That was not in. 
So the Yankees That's advance. And they get the quick turnaround. They've got to deal with the Astros, who've been lying in wait for what feels like five weeks. And they're right back there. Rome, thanks a lot for ruining my day. For the love of God, if there was ever a reason to go, it's that's what's in. That's what's in. Needless to say, add it to the list. Damn. Regards, every mentally distraught listener who just heard that last segment, Marty B in Dallas. Yeah, you probably could add that to the list. Universal reasons to go. Somebody threatens you or a loved one. Somebody insults your race or religion. Somebody who spits in your face. Somebody who gets in front of a camera and sings, that's what's in. That's what's in. At Benjamin Vanna, quote, I just watched the That's What's In video. That's what's in. And somehow, some way, that video is worse than the song by itself. That's What's In would be bad if 12-year-olds did it. Instead, it's a bunch of boomers who don't know the difference between a good idea and a tragic one. This is what I'm saying. These dudes are out there just owning it and rocking it like they're getting it done Padres selling it loose. let's go goose that's what's in Bryce gonna lose and Manny's gonna cruise that's what's in my man's all out there like he's Robert it Plant really no in 1977 on the stage just killing it just destroying it a musical god Everybody rushing the stage. And Manny's gonna cruise. That's what's in. Groupies throwing their underwear, rushing the stage. Robert Plant in all of his sexual glory. 1977 on stage. All right. With that in mind, we are joined right now by a Super Bowl champion, a member of the 2000s All Decade team, a nine time Pro Bowler, a seven time All Pro. Two-time NFL sack leader, 137 and a half career sacks, which ranks number nine all-time. The 11th pick overall in 2005 out of Troy. He appears today courtesy of Crown Royal. DeMarcus Ware is my guest. DeMarcus, it is great to have you back. How are you? Dude, that introduction was great, man. I always say the Rome is burning, baby. The Rome is burning. What's up? My man, dude, you are looking like a million, like always. It's great to have you back, DeMarcus. Lots to cover. Hey, listen, let me start with the Cowboys. They are 4-2 and two after having played five games without Dak Prescott. How did they look to you overall without Dak? You know what? They look like the same team that, you know, won four or five games straight. But um, one thing that I saw that was missing is the offense didn't start as fast as they usually start. Defense, they played well enough to win the football game, but um, for some reason, they did play actually a really good defense in the Philadelphia Eagles, and you can see that when it becomes a defensive game and they're able to get pressure on them, you know, big plays are made and um, and you lose a football game. But, you know, once they get everything clicking back like the first four games that they won, I mean, they'll be a hard team to beat. 
DeMarcus Ware is joining us. So Jerry Jones says he's hopeful that Dak Prescott will be able to play Sunday. Dak sounds like he wants to go on Sunday. What do you expect that offense to look like, at least initially, when Dak comes back after a long layoff? Um, I think really conservative. Um, because when you have a guy like Dak, you want to make sure that he gets comfortable again, right? You know, handing the ball off to Zeke and Pollard. Um, probably running some quick plays, some screens here and there, um, maybe trying to do a little bit of trickery, uh, reverse screens, just little small things like that to get them going and not trying to put pressure on that hand with throwing the ball too deep. But I also remember playing against Ben Roethlisberger when he hurt his arm. The first play I played against him was a nine route. I think it was to uh, A.B., and they scored on us because we thought that they weren't going to score and we played man coverage. So, uh it's up in the air uh, playing with them, uh, with Dak playing. So hopefully everything uh, pans out right. Talking to DeMarcus Ware, he's appearing courtesy of Crown Royal, which I'm going to get to in a minute. DeMarcus, there was this wild story about the owners meeting where reportedly Jerry Jones said to Bob Kraft, hey, man, don't F with me. Don't F with me. You know the Cowboys owner. Did you ever see that side of him, ever see him say or act like that? I never saw Jerry Jones act like that or say something like that, but I know he meant it. You know, he's one of those guys where when he says something, he's going to do it, right? And I remember during the lockout, he was one of the um, head owners that were saying, hey, you know, here's where we are. This is what we have to offer to the players, so on and so forth. And I saw that same mentality a little bit. Um, so when he said that, I never heard him say something like that before, but He's always a stern guy, and he's always behind his work. So uh, he meant what he said. Yeah, I feel you. To Marcus Ware, I appreciate that response, too. I know exactly what you're talking about. Let me ask you really quickly. You racked up 117 sacks while in Dallas, most in franchise history. You've spent some time with Michael Parsons. You talk technique with him. You spent time with him. When you watch him play right now, what kind of thoughts do you have? Um, I think thoughts of freedom. Because when he first came in, they were like, okay, you're going to play inside linebacker, outside linebacker, defensive end. We're going to try to move you around a little bit. And I think they finally found a place for him, and that's rushing the passer. I mean, it's inevitable that the guy had so many sacks last year. you got to let him do that. Let him be uh, disruptive. And just talking with him, he's one of those guys where he was a learner when we went over the technique, when we went over the mentality of how to rush the passer. And I'm like, this dude is a sheer athlete he was so fast learned things very quickly and um, it's just a cool thing to see now how he's blossoming in his second year demarcus ware is joining us of course you won that super bowl when you were in denver the broncos my man had such high expectations coming into this year after they made that deal for russell wilson they hired nathaniel hackett and they've been a huge disappointment. I mean, there's a lot of issues. But if I were to say to you, what is the single biggest problem right now? Like, where would you even start to fix what appears to be broken? What would you say? Um, I would give the team to Russell. Um, when you have a new coach come in, they sort of have to instill their mentality, instill their strategy and techniques um, on the team. And this is how it needs to be done. But then you get a quarterback that comes in and he is that guy. Like, it's almost like a Peyton Manning type guy that comes in and can rule the roost on offense and defense, tell guys how to do it. But I feel like he's a little bit uncomfortable um, for some reason um, because he's one of those guys, when I played against him, 
he he was able to get out of the pocket. Now he's sitting in the pocket a little bit more. You're starting to see him make indecisive plays and trying to push to um, do more. And I think they just got to let Russell be Russell and just give him the the whole the keys to the city and, and let him run the team. It's interesting. Let me ask you, do you think that I see what you're saying, like when you went against him, he was that guy. He was that guy. So let him be that guy. I hear what you're saying. Do you think, though, that he is still that guy? Like he's physically not right. We know this. But is he still that guy? And if you give him the keys to the city, can he still run that thing? I think he can still run that thing, man. But for when you look at one of those plays I just saw, you know, guys blitzing and getting through the line and he's uncomfortable back there. He's sitting back there in the pocket. How many times have you seen Russell Wilson sit back in the pocket and make big plays? Yeah, 50% of the time. But when you see him run out of the pocket, when there's strategic plays of getting him out of the pocket now, you know, the coverage is breakdown. He's able to throw it, you know, to the tight ends, throw it deep. He's able to think a little bit more. But it's almost like you're making him into a pocket passer when he's really not a pocket passer you know and um and uh, you know like i said they have to give give the keys to him eventually and um that eventually have to be sooner yeah demarcus i don't think that for those who haven't played at that level those who don't understand the locker room the dynamics maybe you can help me with this and i'm not trying to drag you into it but just to help us understand it one of the controversies of the week was that issue with Tom Brady leaving the team and missing a walkthrough to go to Bob Kraft's wedding. From where you're sitting, do you have any issue with that? And do you think his teammates or coaches had any issue with that? Um, Right now, uh, Tampa Bay has a lot of things going on out the field. I mean, either if, it, if it's with Brady or maybe some of the other players, but when the quarterback leaves the team and go somewhere that's important to him. Okay, cool. We totally understand that. But are you balling out one thing? Are you leading the team doing what you need to do? And do we got to worry about you when you get back? If we don't have to worry about any of those three things, cool. You go do what you do. But when you get back, I need that hot sauce on that chicken because we got to cook something. This, this, that's the way I feel, baby, when, when, when the quarterbacks do and, and go out and do what they do. Yeah, that's not what happened, man. He came back, and I, I don't know exactly what he cooked up, but it was not hot sauce on that chicken. That that did not go well. That's not what that was about. Let me ask you. Let me ask you really quickly. You you won that Super Bowl in Denver, and I see Von Miller. You know, Von Miller comes to LA and he leads the Rams, helps the Rams win a Super Bowl. Now he goes to Buffalo. He's looking to do the same thing right there. They look great so far. How does he look to you? And can you see him doing the same thing for Buffalo that he did for the Rams? Dude, I see him doing the same thing that he did with Buffalo that he did with the Rams. And he's a lot more comfortable. It, it was weird. When he went from Denver to L.A., it was sort of bittersweet. Like, oh, man, I want to leave my team and I'm going to win a Super Bowl. But this time he was like, you know what, I'm comfortable actually going to the Bills. I talked to Vaughn a couple of weeks ago. and He was like, man, there is nothing to do here but play football. Do you know how focused I am? I've lost like 10 pounds. I feel so lean. I mean, I'm getting off the ball. I'm able to see everything. And I'm like, dude, that's what you need right now in your career, being focused and leading those guys to another championship. And seeing how they're playing right now, lights out, I, the sky's the limit for those dudes. And I, I'm, I'm just glad to see him playing at this time um, at the high level. Dude, you, you nailed it. He looks amazing. He looks lean. He looks explosive. Yeah. He's getting off. 
Demarcus, you look amazing. I got to ask you before we talk Crown Royal. You you look like a million bucks. Now, I've made this point on this show. I'm always fascinated by athletes that to play at a high level and perform at a high level, you have to delay self gratification. You have to make sacrifices. You have to be so regimented and so disciplined that a lot of guys that when they're done playing, they're like, "All right, I'm going to get mine now." And I understand why they would because they denied themselves for so long. You look so good. How have you approached it in post retirement? Your post playing days. Is it a lifestyle and is it fun and easy for you or how do you approach it? I think you got to be dedicated to your routine, right? And when you've gone through 51 injuries and you can't walk, which I actually retired because of that, I said, how do I get back? And so I went back into my regimen of how I prepared every single season, how I had 12 amazing, you know, seasons with two great teams. And I started working out. It wasn't like I'm working out three or four hours and, you know, smashing every high weights at the gym. It's like just being consistent. And people say, how do you stay motivated? I say motivated because it's part of my routine. And when it's part of your routine, you have no choice but to do it. So it's not like you're having fun. It's just part of my life. And it's a lifestyle thing. You know, it seems to me, too, DeMarcus, I've heard this from so many athletes that when your playing days are over, you don't have that routine, right? That's the scariest part because you've always had structure and you've always had routine. You've been really, really good about finding things to do and finding projects and finding a mission. Today, you appear courtesy of Crown Royal. What are you doing with those folks? You know, it's amazing, man, because they have some amazing initiatives that they've done with the NFL. They're the only whiskey brand of the NFL. And you know how hard it is to um, do things with the NFL sometimes, but they did it. And uh, they teamed up with Southern Smoke um, and giving them a $25,000 fund, which is part of a million dollar thing that they're doing this whole season with other initiatives to help out hospitality. I mean, hospitality, servers, cooks, I mean, you name it. And we're doing something awesome in Houston, me and Bo Jackson. We're actually having a barbecue uh, sauce cook-off. And he's the barbecue connoisseur. I'm talking about, this is Bo Knows. Bo knows everything, so he knows barbecue sauce today. So uh, it's going to be fun to uh, go down there, um, really open up this initiative, and be part of something that's great, that's going to help so many people in the service in- industry with uh, Southern Smoke and being part of the Crown Royal brand you know when you have that purple bag that's all you need <laughs> my man hey really quickly you mentioned Bo. It, you should have gotten your yellow jacket and you're going to get your yellow jacket it's not a question of if it's a matter of when i think it should be on your back already but as one high level athlete what are your thoughts on Bo? like i've done this a long time i have never seen another specimen another athlete another person quite like bo jackson how would you describe Bo? athlete to athlete athlete to athlete, when you see a guy from left field throw the ball to first base, and I saw it a couple of days ago, 109 miles an hour and threw a guy out from outfield, that's baseball. Then you start looking at football, how he was Mr. Football. And when you get a name like Bo Knows, Bo Knows everything. Bo Knows barbecue this week. Bo Knows football. Bo knows baseball. And when you get a two-tier player that's, might as well say, a Hall of Famer in two sports, that doesn't happen. And I got to witness that. I'm from Auburn, Alabama. So just seeing just how big of an impact he's left down there. He's also left a big impact in my life. It's really showing me the way to football. Uh, it's been great, man. And he's um, he's an Alabama boy. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm all with that.
My man, you look like a million. You sound even better. He appears courtesy today of Crown Royal, Super Bowl champ, member of the 2000s All-Decade team, nine-time Pro Bowler, seven-time All-Pro, second-time or two-time NFL sack leader, 137 and a half overall, DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus, I did not mean to keep you that long, my man, but you were so good. Great to get caught up. Thank you so much, man. Great to have you back. Peace. Good night now!